straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 205, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, wishing you Merry Belated Christmas, Happy Holidays, and it's a happy holiday for the Texas Longhorns. Beat the Colorado Buffaloes 55-23, and I'm here with my boys, the Duck, Kirk Bowles, and Brian Davis, a.k.a. BD, coming to you from San Antonio. I know you guys are ready to check out of the hotel, so <laughs> let's dispense with any pleasantries. What did y'all think about the Longhorns, starting with you, Duck? Were you impressed, impressed, or was it just typical Texas playing well when it didn't really mean as much? Well, I think you had to thoroughly be impressed with the performance that they had. And uh, one thing about Tom Herman, you know, in bowl games – he, he has his team playing their best football in late December and early January, which ordinarily is a good recipe, you know, for a huge success and championship runs. Unfortunately, those other months, eh, you know, not quite so much. And, and also you have to consider the competition. Colorado wasn't very good. You know, they were four and one, only played five games, obviously, only beat one team with a winning record. That was Stanford. Of course, Texas only beat two teams with a winning record. But let me just end with this. They look like a highly motivated team, a team that wanted to play, and that's always a good note. BD? Yeah, BD, what did you think about about the Horns, particularly our our, uh, guy, Casey Thompson? Happy days are here again. No. <laughs> just, you know, for president. <laughs> you know, um, first off, I'll say that uh, given how this season has gone and given the negativity around the last few, uh, the last uh, month or so, um, I think if you're a Texas fan, you probably came away feeling good. You know, it's good to get a win, a big win. Um, you know, and, and, and I feel like it's, it's the most impressive thing about Tom Herman's four and old bowl record is that every one of those games makes you feel good going into the off season, which is always important. It's always important. You want to feel good going into the off season. Um, but Casey Thompson, I mean, wow. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, uh, I think that the start of the second half was so shocking in that number one, Herman discovered that Bijan Robinson was still on the team. I thought he'd gotten cut. I, th- <laughs> yeah. I thought he was cut at halftime, apparently. Uh, so he was still on the team. That was good to see. And that, and that all of a sudden, the Sam Ellinger era was over. And to me, that was what was so shocking about it is that uh, we get we get this text that Sam Ellinger is out for the game literally at the same time that Casey Thompson is throwing a touchdown pass <laughs> to Josh Moore. I'm like, crazy, crazy. Wow. That, that is incredible. And, and the Casey Thompson era, in, in my opinion, you know, began last night and I think it should be continue in August. Well, what I, two things, uh, first thing, when, when, when the text comes across and Casey throwing that touchdown pass and, the first thing I think is, 
I go back to when the Cowboys, when Romo came back and he's on the sideline and he's healthy and Dak Prescott is just going to town and they, they put the camera on Romo and he goes, you can read his lips. He goes, it's his time. It's over. It's his time. But is it over for Sam Doug? Ah, here's something we noticed last night. Or I mean, excuse me, early Wednesday morning as we sat there on our computers uh, doing interviews. We got Casey Thompson. We got Demarvion Overshawn with his twelve uh, armbands. We got we got um, John Robinson. But we didn't get number 11, who hurt his shoulder. Do you really think Sam is done? Part me, me now, after I've slept on it for, what, three hours? I think Sam is done, but why didn't they tell us? Well, you know, it's Sam's decision. You're talking about why didn't they tell us Sam's done? I think Sam knows what he's going to do, and I he just does. don't he think too. he's announced it. He does. I do, too, but it's, you know, Texas isn't going to announce it, obviously, and Tom Herman, you know, tries to, you know, step around on eggshells on that, and it should be Sam's decision. I I just don't think it, it, it means anything for him to come back other than stats. I mean, I don't see him going from – Fourth round, fifth round, jumping to second round or lo- late first. I don't see his skill set as such that would improve. He's not going to get quicker or faster like a Lamar Jackson or a Casey Thompson. Or more he, accurate. Or more accurate. I mean, he, he doesn't have that strong an arm. He didn't complete a deep pass um, in the game. And then Casey Thompson comes in, throws a 73-yarder to Kelvante Dixon. So it just – it just seemed like a fitting time and while you feel a little sad for Sam, I think it's, he's ready for the next chapter. He's, he's over 21. Now, if he came back, he'd be 22 plus almost 23 going to the NFL and not as a uh, star, you know? So I think it's probably inevitable that he will announce that he's turning pro. Remember Colt McCoy was a dog here. <laughs> He was a great college quarterback, not good, but an all-time great college quarterback. And he was a third-round pick. And he's and he's produced an eight and twenty-two record as a starter. And and he's been and and he doesn't have the gun. And he's been basically a career backup for most of his career. Right now, he's he's carved out twenty. He's made like twenty million dollars. I'm not mad at him. He's only (laughs) played in forty-four games. Yeah. And I don't think that Sammy is on his level. So uh, I, if I'm in the Ellinger court and Ellinger decided to come back, I could understand, especially if he's trying to work toward a master's degree on Texas's dime. With that said, I put out a tweet last night. I don't know if you guys saw it because you were busy doing real work. I put out a tweet that said, if Sam Ellinger announces he's coming back, what's your three-word reply? And I got like 400 responses, hmm. most mostly along the lines of, "How about no?" <laughs> meet, meet Casey Thompson. Here's the bench. I mean, fans turn so fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, they in a span of 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 one half of football, they were like, "Okay, Sammy, you've had your day. We have the future." I really can't blame them for thinking about the future because. 
right at this point, I'd rather see two more seasons of Casey than one more season of Sam. And, and, and said that that to me is exactly the point of why everyone feels that way. It's like, look, when you've been a four year starter, that that's it. I mean, that that's, that's your run. And, and, you know, everybody's going to keep coming back to one and four against Oklahoma, no big 12 championships. Look, we love the fact and respect the fact that he is a true orange blood, all of that, the whole, the whole, the whole nine yards, but you know, he, he's had his chance and, um, you know, and if, and look, and if we're being honest, he didn't, his, his first half against, against Colorado wasn't that great. It just wasn't, right. um, you know, so putting Casey in injury or not would have been a great change of pace, mm-hmm. uh, for the offense in the, in that game. So, um, you know, Sam will always be, uh, treated as a God in, in Austin. He'll never have to buy his own lunch most likely, but um, it, it's time. It's time for someone new, and I think and I think that's going to be Casey Thompson, because you know I I just think that I just I just don't think there is going to be a battle in the spring because Casey Thompson's been your backup for two years, and now all of a sudden you're telling me he's not good enough to win the starting job over a freshman. I, I don't I don't buy that. So I think this is Casey Thompson's job to lose. No, I I disagree just slightly. And just to put a lid on Sam, what if he came back and got hurt? Oh, my God. What if he came back and got benched like your Tony Romo thing? Like, uh, Sam, uh, can you hold the clipboard? How embarrassing for him who's had a great career, as BD just said. To me, you open it up because you don't really know. Hudson Card hadn't had a chance to show himself. He threw two passes last night, completed one. He was mostly handed off. I say make every position open. No more coddling. No more. Okay, well you deserve this. You're the junior. You're the. No senior. more rotation. On quarterback. Uh, oh, you on anything. I just every get that rotation open. out of here. Every position's open. I, I don't think Nick Saban's going. You know that guy's a senior. He's paid his dues. He needs to play the best players. And that means more than 10 touches for B. John Robinson. So I, I expect a full-out battle between Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. Uh, and then Bijan said, uh, I know you wrote about it, <clears throat> 10 touches? How does this guy get 10 touches on maybe, you know, he may be, have the best game of any running back in all the bowl season. He would have run for 300 yards, and I know I know that the game was in hand and it, and it was was in the bag or whatever. But you know what? When Tom, when when BD asked Tom about uh, or, or uh, BD and John Hyde both asked about B. John Robinson and not getting a lot of touches, where did he go? I mean, I, I put in my column. Maybe, maybe he opted out. I I didn't know. Um, I wonder. <laughs> did he opt out? Yeah. Um, you never know. Tyler Wallace, thing. I have thought that out. That's a thing now. And so, uh, and for time to go, well, we rotate our backs. That's what we do around here. And, uh, yeah, you know, the offensive line was struggling, and uh, you didn't, re- didn't really matter who was back there. Yeah, uh, yeah, it did. I know it did to Colorado because they couldn't tackle five. They couldn't tackle him. They didn't couldn't tackle to. five. I didn't mean, want to. he ran over three guys. He shook a couple of guys and ran past everybody else. Uh, he is that dude. 
He's got to he get is, 20 touches next next year. Get him right? off. Get that he committee is. crap. Get that committee crap off the table. I love me some Roshan Johnson. He's good. Uh, and maybe the and maybe the closer comes back next year. Maybe the closer comes back next year. But I'm telling you, five is 25 touches a game minimum if yeah. they want to be good. Hey. And there's nothing like a great running back that'll make a inexperienced offensive line look great and the they're going to be inexperienced up front one thing one thing that one thing that really stood out is that okay so you don't want to okay so so the coach so tom is going to say well you know we're not going to give him 30 or 40 carries like that's not the point it's having him on the field as a threat mm-hmm. right that's the most important thing you have there to account a, for him you there was a to. which there was a drive uh, the drive would then end with one of the field goals uh, Bijan did not carry it, but he was on the field and, um, yeah, I can't remember the specific plays, but he was on the field and the Colorado had to respect that. And Texas got points out of it. Right. I mean, that's a huge difference than, okay, five's not out there. Everybody, everybody can relax and here's some incompletions and, uh, here's a punt, right? Good things happen when he's on the field. Yes. I, I, I just, what is so frustrating as a Texas fan, as a reporter who has to follow all this stuff, as a as a consumer of football, you see that this coaching staff does not play the best players all the time. It is extremely frustrating because the thing about it is, you go back and look at all of our uh, podcasts and all of all of you you guys' columns, our copy. We have been calling for Bijan Robinson to get more carries before the West Virginia game. Right. I mean, it is painfully obvious who the best running back on this roster is, and they don't give it to him. You know, history does mm-hmm. repeat itself. Uh, Cedric Benson wouldn't get off the bench. Mac Brown would not start Cedric Benson as a freshman until after the Oklahoma game. He got as a freshman. Cedric Benson got into the Oklahoma game. One play, one play, one play. And only then pass block Ivan back. Williams threw a shoe and had to come off the field. And then the next week, I don't know if it's Colorado, Oklahoma State, whoever, Cedric Benson wow. started, and they just went, you know, the rest was history. So I don't know why coaches are so afraid. You know, I mean, how many times did we see Bijan Robinson fumble, put the ball on the ground in September? You know, he didn't. He was a budding star. And I don't know why these coaches are afraid of it. And just one other thing. I think he's a Heisman contender already for next year. All these great quarterbacks are gone. Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask, Zach Wilson, BYU, Sam Ellinger. They're all gone. So Just Justin Fields. Justin Fields. I mean, so you know, Brees Hall and uh Bijan Robinson could be the Heisman favorites going into September. Yeah, but a quarterback will still win it, probably. I don't well, know. We stay tuned for this weekend to see how your boys voted. I'm just saying that's a tease. That's a tease. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this about B. John Robinson. 17 carries in three games to start out. Yeah. That just doesn't cut it. But then he goes oh. off for his, in his last four games, 522 yards. No running back in the last 25 years of FBS football has put up 400 yards on 24 attempts, 400 total yards. He's averaging 18 yards plus whenever he touches the ball. And you're talking about a rotation. Rotate my you-know-what. <laughs> Ain't no more rotation. Play uh, the best Williams, player! 
Bears. Play him. They that's what they're saying from the hills. Play your best players. Quit trying to overthink. That's what I hate about coaches. They always try to overthink it. Try to show you that they're smarter. They got the analytics. You know where I'm from. I, I grew up in the same hometown with Earl Campbell, and you didn't see you didn't see uh, Daryl or Fred Akers going. Hey, we got this guy in the, uh, you know, that's, that's a sophomore. He's he's played he's played more than you. We're gonna no, give give the big dog the ball. And and I really think that Bijan Robinson has has done more in just these four games uh, to show that he is way capable of handling any kind of workload. Go ahead, BD. I just I just. Uh... <clears throat> we're, we're, I'm watching the clock, and I want to I highlight two other players that I thought were sensational uh, last night that, that are, are not going to get the same headlines. Um, Alfred Collins was incredible. That in, interception oh, falling back was amazing. And, and, I, and, I, and, I mean, he has shown flashes all season long of being something special. I think he's going to be really special uh, going forward. That was fantastic. And right now, if I had to fill out a ballot for the 2021 preseason awards, I think I would put DeMarvion Overshone as a defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, this guy has been – Nothing short of amazing in the in the in the capacities that they've used him. His third down blitz capabilities uh, in in the second half of the season has been very good. Uh, last night he I, it felt like he was all over the place last he night. Was. And um, you know there's all this all this oh you know oh no oh side no Caden Stearns oh gosh what are we gonna do hey. Agent Zero is on the case, and I like that nickname. I'm gonna stick. We're gonna stick with it, and I, I think Overshone's gonna be a stud. Hey, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think most of us would agree. In August, we're going, ooh man, linebacker. Tell you, thin at linebacker. You know, here they got this Overshone guy, long, lanky, rangy safety. He's never played linebacker, and I couldn't agree more. He he has opened so many eyes, and I give Chris Ash a ton of credit you know, for helping transform him into a raw linebacker who never played there. And a guy who knows what he's doing and makes plays, he creates chaos and plays with a high motor. So uh, I think he, he's a defensive MVP candidate as well. And you mentioned Alfred Collins. That guy is just a beast. He, he could be the next Ed Oliver. I mean, he's got NFL stamped all over him because he, too, is a playmaker. And you remember that interception where he's kind of holding the point of attack and dropping back and reading the quarterback? And he also had a deflection with his an left athlete. hand. Remember he's an the athlete, yeah. Yeah, terrific. You remember the interception he dropped? I don't know, it was Iowa State or – it was earlier than that. Remember, is that about midfield at – a home game this year. He yeah, like open, it was like an open field yes. play where it surprised. He got ahead of pick six, maybe. So, but mm-hmm. and here we are. We're talking about okay. The two players that probably stood out the most: Bijan Robinson, true freshman; Alfred Collins on defense, true freshman; uh, Casey Thompson, soft third-year sophomore; uh, Joshua Moore, overshone a sophomore. They've got young players, and Brian, like you and I, were talking in the press box last night. It's never been about talent, and they show they have a lot, right, Sid? You know, yeah, and and finally we can say that with Juju Mitchell announcing he's coming back, 
yeah. and DeMarvion Overshawn coming back. They're good at linebacker next year. Mm-hmm. And with those two big beasts in the middle, Snacks, Colburn, and Alfred Collins, mm-hmm. they're nice. They're nice up front. So just a pass rush. You got to find some guys that can get on the edge, get after the quarterback. They addressed that in recruiting. And and the back end, there's still guys coming back next year. Uh, Josh Thompson, for some reason, announced that he was coming back. I don't remember asking, but um, they got experience coming back on defense. But here's the question, and and with all of our coverage, and we it was a late night game, but it, all that we wrote, Tom Herman, four and zero in bowl games, three. Um, yeah, three and four and zero in bowl games at Texas. No one's talking about Urban anymore because Urban's not coming. What did it do for Tom? Did, are are they back? Are they going to back off Tom? Are they still looking out of Tom with the side eye? You first, BD. Well, I, I think you know. Me and Kirk were talking about this yesterday. Said is that there's a huge difference in perception between seven and three and six and four. And granted, it's just one game difference. And you one game, you say big deal. But seven and three makes you sound like, okay, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're on the right track. We're six and four. It's like, oh, God, whatever, you know. So I think that the Herman detractors are still going to be there. Um, you know, if you read, you know, if you read a certain tabloid, you know, that they'll tell you that there's going to be a coaching change. I mean, we don't believe that. I, we, cert- we certainly aren't reporting that. Uh, Tom Herman's going to be the coach of 2021. Um, and the thing about last night, too, per, from a perception standpoint, is that how do you fire a guy when you've got all the names that, that said you just listed? Casey Thompson, B. John Robinson, Overshone, Collins. And now you're going to tell me, oh, but we're going to fire the coach? No, that, that's, that's not how Chris Del Connie operates. It's not how he thinks. Um, Chris really believes in stability, whether, you know, whether Texas fans agree with that or not, you know, we can argue that for sure, but that's what this athletic director believes in. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's, again, I, I keep coming back to the basketball comparison. This is Shaka times a thousand, right? Maybe they have a good team coming back. We'll see. They have good components. Uh, they didn't fire the basketball coach. Now the basketball team is, is rolling. It looks like. Maybe the football team has the right components. Maybe next year with a different quarterback, they get it going. Yeah. Bottom line to me, nothing's changed. Right. Nothing's changed. Wow. That was a Please feel, explain. That was a feel-good moment for Texas fans. And they should like the sugar like the sugar bowl? Yes, exactly. But don't read any more into that because the sugar bowl didn't translate into a playoff the next year or big 12 championship the next year. So you need to isolate it, compartmentalize it. It was a very nice bowl victory over an average Colorado team with a lot of tremendous performances by young players, but it's always going to be open season on the Texas football coach. We know that, uh, you know, like they've only won one national championship since 1970. Uh, but it, it's progress. It's progress. I looked it up guys. It's, you know, they're seven and three and, and, and Brian and I were talking last night, as he said, it was a huge difference, six and four, seven and three, because every story we write for the next nine months would have been six and four, coming off a six and four year. 
And only 19 teams out of, what is it, 127, won more than seven games this year, only 19. And 11 Power 5 teams uh, won more than seven games. So they're, they're in that mix, okay? And they lost by two to TCU. They lost by three to Iowa State. They lost in overtime to Oklahoma. All those were winnable games. They lost three by 13 points. So you could make the argument that they're not that far away. But people it feels say like a, it feels like a million miles. Though. It feels like a million miles. That's the perception. That's why I say nothing's really changed. And he'll be right back on the hot seat against uh, Louisiana Lafayette. He's got two tough opponents, Lafayette and road trip to Arkansas. Much improved Arkansas next year. So he'll be right back in the hot corner, you know, I think next fall. And what and what we haven't mentioned is they didn't get to play Kansas. So they would have been eight and three. I yeah. mean, let's. Let's yeah. keep it real. That's they right. would have been eight and three, and that would have put them in even more select company. And they'll be fifteenth, um, maybe in the final ranking, something like that. Fifteenth, fifteenth, fourteenth, and yeah. a very well deserved. But the question that I will, we will continue to ask moving forward as we go into the off season is maybe he's just that coach who who's good but can't get over the hump. Maybe, maybe he's Kevin Sumlin. No, he no, just no, may no, be, no, Don't go there. Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M won, won eight, seven or eight games almost every year. And then he finally had a bad year and they got rid of it. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I think he's better than that. I mean, Sumlin had Johnny Manziel, electric college football player, one of the best of this era. And he had NFL linemen, offensive linemen up and down. So, you may be right. I think I don't know. But look at, and look, but look at the ta- look at the talent that Kevin Sumlin assembled, and Jimbo Fisher's reaping those benefits. Those juniors and seniors are stud players. You have to give Sumlin some credit for bringing some bringing those upperclassmen on the campus. Kellen Mond, guys like that. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying. I think uh, let me go on and let me make sure that people know this. He's a better coach than Kevin Sumlin. Not even close. But he's having kind of a Sumlin type experience because Sumlin punked Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, just like Tom beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And but it didn't add up to what people thought it would be moving forward. I, I would make a case. I don't know, Brian, what you think. It, to me, maybe more like a Mark Rick, you know, solid, solid coach. And, you know, I like that one. Good years every year. Uh, but not scaring anybody. Not scaring anybody. You know, really good coaches. Like like we were talking to the press box last night, it, there's always going to be those losses to TCU. There's two losses to Maryland. Just losses you can't explain, you know. And you know, when, when they went to Ames last year, when they played Baylor and Waco, you know. So, I, I – I still think he can win a championship and can get Texas to the playoff. I'm just not assured of it. Brian? The one, and and I'm, I'll go to Brian after this. The one okay. thing, and I said this in a radio interview this week, he's got to learn how to beat the other guys. And when I say the other guys, I go back to when I first got on this beat, Duck, in 02, Mac Brown. Mac Brown was beating everybody but OU. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't figure out how to beat OU. Once he figured that out, special things happen moving forward. A championship, a chance to win another one. 
Tom loses to TCU and West Virginia and Oklahoma State and K-State. You can't lose to those guys and expect to be a top 10 player. You've got to beat the other guys. And you know Lincoln Riley's never going away. You've got to beat the other guys. And once you figure that out and they have the recruiting and the talent to do it, they got to coach them up. Then you can figure out the Oklahoma puzzle. And if you figure out the Oklahoma puzzle, we're there. We're we're, we're where that the fan base believes they should be. The question is, is Tom that guy to get them there, BD? No, that's exactly right. It's like, it's like we would be, we would be talking about Tom is, is Mac 2.0 if there weren't those other losses that you, that you mentioned. Right. That's we. That's how we would be referring to him. Mm-hmm. Is, is 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 he a good coach on the cusp of greatness? If he can just get over Oklahoma, but that's not Tom's issue. No, I mean, uh, the last two years between Oklahoma, TCU, and Iowa State, Texas is zero and six. Zero and oh six. God, that's horrible. That's that's horrible. Unacceptable. So, unacceptable. That, that's unacceptable. And so. Um, you know, that's where it needs to happen. I mean, the worst thing that can happen for Tom is to come out next year, stumble against Lafayette, struggle against Arkansas or whatever. That would be the absolute worst thing possible. He needs to blow the doors off, off the raging Cajuns and then go get a nice win over an SEC road team uh, on the road, I should say. So, yeah, I mean, he needs to get off on a good foot. But th- those are those are the games that he's got to eliminate. He can win some big ones, man, but he can lose some little ones too. You know, part of the reason <clears throat> Mac was finally able to exercise that OU demon was he had great quarterbacks. Vince came around and matured, followed by Colt McCoy. He had he had great and maybe superior quarterbacks to what Lincoln Riley or Bob Stoops had. You know, we thought he had it with Sam. But, you know, he wasn't quite good enough to get over the hump. And I don't know if, you know, Casey Thompson or Hudson Card is one of the, a transformative player like those we just mentioned. But you better have an outstanding quarterback, you know. I mean, you can have an overall team like Alabama uh, or a Trevor Lawrence like Clemson has. But uh, that that's always priority number one, having a quarterback their whole team believes in that we can beat and Oklahoma, and, you know, they'll go into the season with two quarterbacks that have never really started or played against Oklahoma. So, you know, that that all remains to be seen. And, you know, the game has changed since Texas was last in a championship. And in that game, they came up against an Alabama team that had a pretty good quarterback in Greg McElroy, but a couple of stud running backs in Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson. So, Um, I I like the formula of B. John Robinson being the bell cow. And if Casey Thompson can be uh, three quarters of what we saw uh, at the Alamo Bowl, I think they're going to be in for some – that's going to be a fun offense to watch. Uh, He's got a better beat deep. Go ahead, Doug. Maybe they're more like a Georgia said. You may hit on it like with B. John Robinson. Georgia always has great running backs, you know, Sonny Michelle and – DeAndre Swift. Yeah, just go on down the list. Swift, and uh, they always have him. If they have that bell cow and play great defense, and I give Chris Ash a ton of credit. I mean, that defense played really well for the most part, other than maybe an Oklahoma game and Oklahoma State. They had some breakdowns and stuff like that. So maybe 
you don't have to have that Trevor Lawrence or the Justin Fields maybe can win with a great running attack balanced offense. You know, they were like over 300 rushing and passing, you know, in the Alamo bowl. So maybe you can win with uh, a balanced attack and much, much better defense. All I know is that uh, 2020 is uh, about to have a wrap on it. And uh, I'm <laughs> thankful for that. Um, I hope that by the time spring football gets here, that we can go to practice again. And I, and I'll say this to the, to all the fans who listen to our stuff and how much I want to say, number one, we appreciate you. Um, yes, sir. But, but I, I'll say this for the fans sake, I genuinely hope that we are in a position where a hundred thousand people can pack Royal Memorial stadium next, next, next fall. I, I really, I really hope that for just society and sports and, and and this and these a lot of Texas fans who who didn't get to come to the games this year. Absolutely, that you know what you said. You, you said it, man. We yeah, all yeah, you said it. We it makes us all winners, and uh, it's not as fun without the fans. It's not as fun um, uh, having a piece just just a part of our crew at the games instead of all of us. Right, and um, that's part of part of the thing that makes our jobs fun is is playing around with each other while we watch these games and we're watching fan interaction and all of that. So uh, that's going to put a bow on the 2020 football season. Uh, the duck and I will be back next week to, to give you our best of and worst of moments of the 2020 sports year, which is going to be very longhorn heavy. And, uh we just really love bringing the podcast to you guys. We really love having BD on. He's he's the third Beatle. I don't know how many Beatles there were. I'm more of a four tops guy like you, Kurt. But we appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. For Brian Davis and the Duck Kirk Bowles, I'm Cedric Golden. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.